so, so official. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just <laughs> I've been telling this because everybody keeps asking. Ugh. Everybody keeps asking me like, "Why are you doing this?" And I'm like, "I just like talking." Remember that one day at your house where you were like mid crisis, and I was there, and we just ended up talking for 45 minutes about. No, because that doesn't narrow down the times. There's probably like five or ten of crises moments. Okay, well, com- long conversation <laughs> moments. There was that one day, it was like a weekend. I helped you move all the cabinets yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I ended up talking to you for like an hour. An hour, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's more to you than, than meets than the just eye. just being a contractor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not so, just like somebody who like knocks down walls no, and No, I, I have a brain. I have thoughts. <laughs> I have a life. I, I genuinely just enjoy talking to another human being. And when do you ever get – this will be at the beginning of both my podcasts. When do you ever get a chance to just sit down uninterrupted one to three hours and just talk about anything you want? Anything? Anything! I mean that sounds like what I do all day long. <laughs> You're a very unique person. But Okay, so – being a therapist, right? Yeah. Therapist, counselor, uh, counselors, therapist. What is your official title? Uh, so my official title is clinical supervisor. Okay. There. Um, however, I am known as a integrated behavioral health clinician. Oh jeez. Yes, which is fancy for saying that I paid too much money for a piece of paper. Oh, so <laughs> psychologist. Are they like the top? They're yeah. So they they're a doctoral degree. Oh, okay. So you have to go for your PsyD in order to become a psychologist. Um, my degree is a master's in clinical mental health. Oh. Um, so I become licensed in New York State as a licensed mental health counselor. Okay. So it basically goes like psychologist, counselor, slash therapist, slash clinician. They're all basically the same un- umbrella kind of deal. Okay. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, the schooling is really the main difference. And also, like, so psychology is more geared towards the, like, the actual anatomy of the brain and, like, the neurotransmitters and chemicals. Um, Whereas my degree only really focused on, like, one or two courses that really specialize and focuses on that. And how the people actually act. Right. Right, like their behavior right. associated with their mental state. Right? Yeah, so like... Well, multiple, so I'm sorry, don't mean to cut you off. Good. Psychologist, what's a psychiatrist? Psychiatrist is basically along the same lines as a psychologist. It's just prescribing compared to oh. the psychologist provides... Well, I shouldn't say that too, because some psychiatrists do provide psychotherapy. But oh, wow. um, it's basically like the psychiatrist... It's more focus on medication and it's like prescribing and so treating, treating mental illness. Yeah, and maybe a psychologist like understands mental illness. Well, and can also provide therapy and just like do things of the nature. Yeah, no, I just I'm always curious because you have all these you hear of all these titles and all these names and everybody. It's like part of what this podcast is going to be about is I want to talk about the details of stuff. Yeah, because so much like I had my buddy Bill on yesterday. And he used to be in a band, then he became a lawyer, and now he's a teacher. And we were just talking about, you can go into depth on all three of those subjects. Yeah. And we were talking about law and how asinine it is that you have to have a lawyer to understand the laws that you have to abide by. And if you go to court and have to get into the justice system, they're talking about things and saying things and doing things that you have no, you no don't idea. understand. No. 
Even some lawyers and judges have a hard time understanding it. And it's all about interpretation. Right. Which is, what? Then I shouldn't have to follow those laws. There should just be basic laws. I mean... Again, it's complicated. Valid, valid. Right, so it's, it's complicated. And, and I don't think a lot of people really understand the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the main difference is the prescribing aspect of it. So... So that's what you do all day long. You talk to people. Yes. But yes. in those conversations, are you really truly talking to them? Um, and you're not supposed to like put your personal. No. no, 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 no. So a lot of it is focused primarily on like what the client's going through, their life, their background. Yeah. Um, and you're giving them a chance to like get stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Absolutely. So when do you ever get a chance to get? Conversation out. Conversation out well here. Yeah. Um, that's, what, so that's what I'm saying. That's and why I go to therapy every week myself. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I wish there wasn't such a stigma around therapy because I, when I put out the video saying that I was going to start doing this, this is therapy to me. Yeah. Not, and I'm not saying like on a daily basis I need therapy I, because that therapy has that stigma of like, oh, you need therapy. Well, like, Everybody needs therapy. Basically. I mean, everybody's been through some messed up things. Yeah, crisis, trauma. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I just, every time I had like a good, long, deep conversation with you or mm-hmm. like my buddy Sean, my buddy Bill, I get almost like a high off of it. Mm-hmm. Socializing is fun. Talking is yeah. fun. So, I, I don't know. If this makes me rich and famous, great. <laughs> you know, like, nice. yeah, but I, could care, but I could care less. It's not the intention of this. Yeah. Like. The intention of this is just to be able to talk to... And have a conversation. Yeah. Like, cool. that day we had that conversation was so yeah. much fun. That was. And we talked about... What were we talking about? The human body. Did we talk about aliens? I'm sure that there was some conversation about aliens. Yeah. Or even, I think, government. Yeah. I mean, the governmental stuff always comes up. So. <laughs> I, I got some not-so-great news today that... I'm required to have three thing, three levels of insurance. Mm-hmm. Workers' comp, liability insurance, and disability insurance. And I think they're all pretty self-explanatory. If I break your house working on it, my liability covers that. Right. If somebody gets hurt, the disability covers that. And why does workers' comp... Workers' comp... I'm just having this realization. Workers' comp and disability are kind of the same thing. I, disability is more like... Long term, I think. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and workers' comp covers them probably if they get hurt at work. Right, it's like a short-term disability deal. I think. But my workers' comp is so expensive, and my disability is so cheap. So wild. But anyways, where was I going with this? Government, and I just found out that like I I might owe more money to New York State for insurance that I didn't file correctly or didn't report correctly or didn't do an audit on time. Like, I still don't even know why. But it's it's so complicated. It is. Everything in life is complicated, though. I know. For no for no reason. <laughs> because we make it so. I just had this conversation with my wife today where I was like, honey, no matter what happens, as long as we have a home to come to, and that's one mortgage payment. Yeah. And, and like, we can put food on the table. We'll be okay. You're, solid. You're still alive. Like, your life might not be great. You might not be this happiest, but you can survive. Right. Which I think a lot of human beings across the world now and in the past just survived. I mean, we've kind of been ingrained in order to just kind of survive and to, like, move on to the next thing and to, you know, always have to 
be you know overachieving or being x right. y and z that's modern times right modern yeah i mean yeah but also like if you think about it like the vast majority of time people are just doing their best in order to be able to get by that's life that is that's daily, literally life, that is daily life right? just making the best decisions in the moment to get to the next moment like the present the present is literally all just receiving information making decisions and moving forward right. in time. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, and then if you think about it too, right, the societal pressure in order to be successful. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? What is that, like, my status, money? All those things are interconnected to our sense of achievement a lot of the times. But that's, so that's, I, I would kind of disagree because that's just modern society from one perspective. Because my sense of success is a 200 acre farm with no bills and me growing my own food and and how are you going to pay for that why would i have to pay for it with money i have to buy it. land i have to buy it yeah right but if, once i buy it if i'm living off the land like the goal is to eat sleep right mm-hmm. be happy right if i'm growing my own food you pay taxes though right yeah you can't avoid taxes well i'm yeah. just saying you and could what, sell, what you could sell pay, some of your stuff. You could sell some of your farm animal stuff to pay for your... What, but what are you paying your actual taxes with? Money. Which is run by... The government. Which is run by... Oh. Capitalism. Oh. oh, no. Not run by... Ca- capitalism Capitalism is, runs this entire country. Are you kidding but me? Capitalism is a... Is not a thing. It is a thing. It's a description of what is happening. It's a thing. It's not... It's a thing. I guess, I guess, but that you're still <laughs> it's a ve- system in place. But you're still veering from the question. So your your version of success is what? I think that that's pretty. I mean, it's complex, right? So like, there's yeah. so many layers to it. I personally am cool, just like living my life, like like you said, paying for my house, yes. doing what I need to do, go to work, come home, eat dinner, and then we're. We're good to go. That's like, success to you? That, I mean, that's successful. Right. Right? But that's but, surviving. I mean... That's... that. But surviving and success are often, like... Well, I think the scientific... At, at, at different stages of life, though. Yeah. I, I would say the scientific version of success is surviving. If you are surviving as, like, an animal. Right. Like, take humans out of it. If that, if that animal breeds and stays alive, it has a successful life. Yeah. Right. So I think we get caught up as human beings in modern day society with the idea of success. Like, but everybody has a different idea of success. Right. It doesn't mean you have to be rich or a millionaire or this or that. What, what do you deem success? What makes you happy? Right. What right. makes you happy? Yeah. And I mean, like some people that is having, you know, these extravagant lives and some people it's just getting by and it's, I think that's the important thing to remember, too, is that it's based off of, like, one person's actual life, their lived experience, because they probably operate in a certain way for a specific reason. Right. You know? Like, based off of their their past trauma, their experience, their what made them who they are. Well, all of it's interconnected, too, right? Because, like, our entire lives and our framework is built up over our life experiences day yes. in and day out. Yes. And so, as a result of that, we develop these things that are known as schemas. Do you know what a schema is? No. So, a schema is essentially a cognitive roadmap. So, it's part of how the brain operates, and it filters 
through like how we interpret experiences and events. So if you have a bunch of negative experiences, say like of neglect or abuse um, throughout the course of your life, at a certain point, it's likely that one would develop a schema of like, I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy. And right, so that's how they view so many more of their experiences moving forward through that lens and personalizing a lot of... That makes sense. So that's why it's almost like you're expecting things to be a certain way. Right. Because, because of what of, happened in the yes. past. Which yeah. makes sense. That that makes sense. So me being an overly positive person, an overly happy person, that would say that I had a lot of really good experiences. Um, not necessarily. Cause like the other piece of it too is that we become adaptive over the course of time. Mm. And so people adapt differently to different experiences based on the person. Right? So like you could have gone through something <clears throat> completely the same, like absolutely the same with another person, no matter what, there's going to be two different experiences because it's through your perception. Right. So what do you, so you think this is, we had this conversation the other day too about nature versus nurture, because basically what you're saying is that nature, I'm sorry, nurture is what makes you have these schemas. Nurture as in like the things that happen to you as you grow up. Not nature, not not just the mind you're born. Right. But that's what I was. That's what was my question was going to be is like, if if two different people have the same exact situation to them, why does one person look at the glass half full and one person look at the glass half empty? There has to be some kind of genetics or spirit or luck. I mean, like, why am I the way I am? I mean, part of it is genetics, and part of it is also your environment. It's a combination of both. So, like, that's the thing is that we're not born with with all of our tools and our skills and characteristics, right? right? We need to accumulate some of those over time. And also, some people are just born genetically predisposed to be heavy. I mean, that's happy. how they can to do whatever. But that's what know? I'm saying. It that blows my mind that that essentially half of the battle of who you are isn't even up to you. It's not. No. It's not even up to you. No. If you're born to be predisposed, sad all the time, Mm -hmm. to look at the glass half full, there's no changing that. No. I I I, mean, I shouldn't say there's no changing that. You could train yourself to become a a better person, to be more positive, to be more happy, to be more disciplined. But man. You're in for a rough road. Yeah. (laughs) I just, that blows my mind because it's almost not fair. We're all, it's not, you're not born with equal opportunities yeah i mean like from birth but, that, but that's that's everything in life if you think about it that we're not you're, all equal i mean you're born into a certain situation right and yeah. like some whether it's socioeconomic status some people are going to be higher and they're going to be more apt to be fortunate because they're born into to wealthy families true just like if you're a poor person and you're born into a poor family like the odds are already stacked against you a little bit. Luck is such a weird thing. Because that's luck. That's luck. Like, that's... Like, before you're born, before you exist. That's what I want to know. I, I think a lot about the universe and energies. I think we talked about this. Yeah, like, yeah. I have an agnostic view of, like, all religion. Of of, of God, of the, of the universe, of the spirits, of whatever you want to call it. 
I know there's something bigger. There has to be. It can't just be you're it's, born, you die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't just be life. Like, there's no way. What happens if it is? We don't have it. It doesn't matter. If, it, if that's the way it is, when the lights go out, the lights go out. Like, you have no choice. In How it. are you're, you going to know, though, Steve? Right, you won't. You won't. But there has to be something bigger because the more you, like, think about love and life and emotions and all the above, it's just sometimes it's like the word magical. I don't like using the word magical. But... It is. It makes like, it sound like Disney. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> and Disney has such a bad rap nowadays, I feel like. I, I just, there has to be something more. And then that says to me, if there's something more, then nothing's luck. Because something got you to that point to right before you were born. Right? Something. Right? But it's not luck. I, or is it luck? Like, is it just random? I know you don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. If somebody knew, they'd be the most they'd be a richest, billionaire. Yeah, yeah. Billionaire, oh, trillionaire, millionaire. Yeah. That's another. That's another thing. Billionaires. How can you have so much money? And why do you need it all? Yeah. I. I don't know. I'll never get to that point. So. You never know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's success stories of people not becoming famous or rich until their fifties, sixties, or seventies. I mean, could you imagine becoming rich in your 70s? I'd, I'd be so pissed off at the world. I know. So I'd I, be so pissed. Yeah, I'd be like, this, I, this shit, like, how long was I struggling for? And I'd get it for what, like three years now, tops? Do you do you care about your legacy? No. No? No. No? No. You don't care about what you leave behind? No. What do really? I leave behind? I mean, <laughs> do you think you'd feel different if you had kids? No, that's part of why I don't want kids. So you don't have to worry about it? So that way I don't, like... There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing about. to worry about. It's I just, know. like, I don't want to set anybody else for up for failure in this world. Well, what about success? Why wouldn't you be setting them up for success? Yeah, I mean, I could be. Right, right. I, I don't know. It's a 50-50 shot there, that Steve. That is a 50-50 shot. <laughs> but I mean... I'm I, no gambling person either. No, me neither. You know? But I do think about it. Like, I want to leave a good legacy behind to my kids. I want them to have it a little bit easier. Hey, what do you eat? Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't want to eat that. My guest dog is on site. Um, I guess... Another one? How do you find me? <laughs> what a good dog. I love dogs, man. Like, he is the epitome of what humans should be. Just, like... Aloof. Aloof, lost in <laughs> space, just going by through the motions. I mean, that's not a bad... No! I wish I was more bliss. like that. I, I've had that thought where I was like, do you know how great your life would be if you were a dog of, like, good owners? Like, Obviously, a dog could have a very terrible life. You could yeah, be yeah. in China, where they <laughs> eat dogs and torture dogs. I mean, that's also not the only place where they do that. The, the famous one, I guess. The biggest one. But if you were <laughs> a dog... One. Yes. If you were a dog in like a middle class family where they just treated... You ever know, you know those people who just treat their dog yeah, yeah, like yeah. gold? What an amazing life. Do you know what dog has it ultimately made for them the most? Who what? do you think that they live with? Gay men. Gay men. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Because you guys don't have kids. Because often. we don't have kids. And also, like, 
supposedly the biggest hearts. You Aww. know, like, and so like nurturing, more nurturing. Yes, and, like they have strollers for dogs. Oh, I, that's like, what I mean. Good life. Sometimes I tell my wife this. I'm like, I wish I could be just an animal at my farm. They just live the dream, fed all the time, taken care of, pampered, cleaned. Just, I mean, what a life! Your whole life as a baby, pretty much. Oh my, I know. I, we were saying that too. Do you remember being a kid? No. No. <laughs> you don't remember being a kid? Uh, bits and pieces. Don't you think it was great? I mean, you had I mean, no I bills. I, no responsibilities. Yeah, I mean, that might have been your experience. <laughs> what was your experience? I mean, like... Are you okay talking about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, I mean, like, I I never really got to enjoy being a kid, to be honest. Really? No, because, like, I mean, probably from, what, birth to, like, ten, my mom was around, both my parents were around, and then, like, by age 13... Turned it into a one-income household, and so because of that, I kind of had to like start doing my own thing and like really, yeah, yeah. So, so was zero to ten good? I mean, ish, ish, ish. Bits and pieces. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, I think all kids. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that part of it. I just think of being a kid having no worse because I have so much responsibility now. I remember being a kid and even, I guess I'm not like condoning a bad childhood or like an abusive family, but still the fact that you have really no responsibilities in the world. Yeah. You just can just be, and you could just take a nap and just take a nap. I, I distinctly remember having this conversation actually last week where I was like, I mean, granted, like not everything was fantastic as a child, right? But like. As a working adult now, I'm like, why was I wishing this away? Oh, I know! You rushed it! I'm like, you idiot! But you don't realize it in the moment that you're having such a great life. You want to take a nap, dude? Take a nap. Go take a nap. And you don't have to worry about waking up by a certain time. If you're up all night, you just got to go sit at school. That's it. Right? I used to complain about going to bed early. Yeah. Now I'm like... I know! I I want to go to bed early so bad. I'm so tired. (laughs) Literally... Not by choice either. Yeah, and the, the sad realization I had the other day is, there I, I saw a meme or a thing, a video on uh, Facebook or Twitter, or whatever, and it was, do you remember being a kid taking a nap and waking up not remembering what day it what, was, what year you're what in, what year you're in, like who the president like, is, <laughs> like not remembering any of that, and you like you slept for like three and a half hours, yeah, and at Those some the point, best. but at some point in your life. It never happens again. I can take naps. I take naps now. I st- I can't. Right. Like I, I don't. They're not good ones. Like they're short. But like even then, it's like I'm already worried about waking up. Yeah. What I have to do when I wake up. Right. And they're not relaxing. They're just like I'm so tired that I have to just shut off for 15 <laughs> minutes. And then you're like, Ugh! and you wake up and you're like, oh my god, I can't, what did I like? What bills do I have to pay? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I wake up every morning, so... It's terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. I mean, we... Like I said, it shouldn't be this complicated. No. Do you think if... What are you doing? Do you think if, if we were still hunter-gatherers, like, life would be this complicated? I mean... Do you, okay, let me put the question to you this way. 
do you think true survival is more stressful than being alive in this modern society? Yeah, think about that. Think about that. Because we're just experiencing the stress because this is our version of reality. This is yeah. our life. And yeah, we're yeah. like, this is the most stressful thing ever. Because the most stressful thing you've ever encountered is the most stressful thing you've ever done. But, just like you said before, ignorance is bliss, right? So, like, the, the prehistorian people, cavemen, whatever, right? Like, they had no idea that there'd be iPhones and shit to record a show and a microphone. True, but they were worried about a bear coming into their cave and eating them. But I'm saying, like... That has to be such a level of anxiety, though. I mean, that's where anxiety comes from. It's functional. Right. As humans, right. like, if we didn't have anxiety, we'd have been eaten by right. a mammoth. But that's what I'm saying is, like, do you think that the stress... You're like, oh, man, we shouldn't have to live like this. But do you think we're just thinking that because... You know what I mean? Like, because this is our modern life? What are you, hungry? Okay. I think I think a big piece of it is also that, like, we've become so conditioned to focusing on negatives yeah. throughout the course of our lives that, like, oh, we think it's more stressful than what it could actually be. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying is, like, I, I, I think that's just our interpretation of it right now. Not... Not it's the same type of anxiety for a caveman and a modern human. It's just that we're 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 having anxiety about different things, about things that are not actually life threatening. You think about it right now, yes, because back then they didn't. Right? Yeah, they had to be worried about. They had to be, and that's how it became functional. Is because it's life or death at that point. But I think that I think that not paying your mortgage. To us, I mean, it technically kind of is life-threatening. It threatens your existence not having shelter. I mean, yes. Right? And also, it, I'm talking about imminently dying yes, as a result yes. of it. Being ripped to shreds. Being ripped to shreds, right? Like, that doesn't sound like my good Saturday to me. No. Or your, or your worst Saturday. Like, getting a vic- But, yeah, yeah. I, when you put it in perspective, like the two next to each other. Right. One's significantly worse than the I'm other. Like, fuck, they didn't have an iPhone 13? Like, I don't, I don't even mean that. I mean, like, if you were getting evicted out of your house, foreclosing, and you were literally, like, nothing you could do. You couldn't find any work. You couldn't make any money. No matter how hard you tried, you weren't paying your mortgage, and they foreclosed on you, and you had to get removed from your house. That's kind of extreme. I mean, that's very extreme. That is... To the human mind, the same as the imminent threat of being ripped to shreds. Because your security is being taken from you. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. So that's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it is terrifying. That's valid. Right. And it's like, it's not getting eaten. I know. I, yeah, you're, you're not dying. You're not dying you always... right then and there. So this is like a positive thing. This is like a positive thing. <laughs> Because I don't think I ever said that that people being evicted from their homes. No, 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 no. That perspective on it, <laughs> like that spin on it. No matter what happens in your life now, as long as it's not death, right? It's not that bad. I mean, at you, least you can survive it. Yeah, you. It could be worse. I, I will say, like, so I had I had a run with the business where like we weren't doing well financially. Like, 
we weren't making as much money as I wanted. Funds got super low. I had bills to pay. And when you're in the moment, you feel like there is no tomorrow. You feel like you feel like it's over. Like the stress of it, the anxiety of it is so bad that it seems like that. But then you're right. Like then you eventually fall asleep and then you eventually wake up the next day and you go on with your life. Right. Whatever those consequences are. And ultimately you choose what you do that day. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so crazy to me how stressful it can be in the moment. Oh, absolutely. It, it scares me how how strong and powerful my brain is to me. You know what I'm saying? Like how it can convince me yeah. in that moment that I, my, my life's over. Right. Well, and so part of that is because essentially when we become more reactive to situations, it's because we haven't allowed the time for our experience to be filtered through a deeper understanding understanding level right so like there's two components of the brain one in which is the amygdala and the amygdala is um primarily located for like the the location of like anger emotional reactions things of that nature and that's also where we interpret immediate experiences and incidents so that's so when we're more reactive, we're acting off of the amygdala and that emotional dysregulation. And what's the other one? I believe frontal it's cortex. This, I think it's the, the frontal, frontal cortex. cortex, like the decision-making part yeah, of your yeah, brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like the good decision, like making yes. a good decision. Yes. And so that that's what happens. The more that you're able to delay your reaction to situations, that's why you're able to have more rational. Thoughts. That's what I was just about to say. Is so I've been doing meditation, not as often as I would like, but I have been doing a bunch of ice baths. Like I have a cast iron tub in my garage full of water. The temperatures have been cold enough that it's like 35 degrees, freezing cold. And every day I try to force myself to go down into my garage and jump in the ice bath like first thing in the morning. And it is one of the hardest things. Awful. It's terrible. It's so terrible. I thought going to the gym was bad. Oh no, this is so much worse. <laughs> so much worse. But I wonder if what I'm doing, I, no, I know this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm training my brain to, to, I'm inviting stress by getting into the cold water, right? Your body freaks out because it's so cold. Your adrenaline spikes, like I'm inducing the stress. Andrew, Andrew Huberman, he's a, a scientist I follow. And he was saying that by doing ice baths and things like that, you're putting your, you're purposely putting yourself into stressful situations and training yourself on staying calm or, or what to do with that level of adrenaline and stress. Yeah, the shock. Yeah. And the more you do it, the, the better you are able to cope with stress. Right. Because you've, you've practiced inducing it. Right. Which is kind of crazy. And also you're not as reactive to the stress. Too. Yes. That's, that's where I was going with that. Sometimes I get so caught up in trying to remember what I remember. That I forget where I'm going with it. I'm like, yeah, I can remember You're all like, this. I had I'm a reciting. great thought. Yeah, 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 exactly. We just made a hard left yes, somewhere yes. along the way. But I, I, I like doing the ice bath and I like doing difficult things because it's, it's helped me be less stressed out about day-to-day life. I just feel better all the time. Like all the time. I did one this morning and it was so cold this morning that I could only do one minute. Like and I usually do between three and How five. How much ice is in there? No ice. You just do like cold ass water. 
Yeah, so like our, our garage isn't heated, so it stays the temperature of outside. And I have a thermometer outside. So like by the morning, it's usually around the same but temperature. what do you do when it's springtime? How are put you ice in your it. cold baths? Yeah, I put ice in it. Gotcha. Yeah, so there was a couple of those 80 degree days. I had to go out and get like three bags of ice and like dump it in there. And you stir that around, man, it's freaking cold. Yeah? It's really cold. Yeah. To the point where it almost hurts. Like that's how I sure feel. Does. Like sitting in it, your skin come when you come out, you're all red. It if you think about it, you do a daily polar plunge. Yes. But with no charity. Correct. <laughs> my mind charity. <laughs> it's my mind charity, okay? I no, I, I enjoy the discipline. And I mean there's there's health benefits to it. You know what I mean? There's a ton of health benefits. There are. To it. But I do it mainly for the discipline. The fact that I can I can tell myself to get into there induce that stress and then the rest of my day just seems so much easier so much more manageable yeah like you hear stressful things and normally like in the past i can remember i would be genuine like it would ruin my day i would be so genuinely upset about it that i was like it it takes away from your attention span of like the moment Mm -hmm. and now i just find myself in the moment so much more often i'm not letting my mind wander because i when it does i can go okay we need to Focus. Yeah, and that's that's why I wanted to start doing meditation too, mm-hmm. because meditation. I saw a video on, on the reels thing where a guy was saying that meditation. I don't think people really understand what it's about, and what you're you're supposed to be doing is training your brain to keep out the random thoughts mm-hmm. and stay in the moment. If you want to um, really expand beyond meditation, because meditation is one form of mindfulness. There's multiple forms of mindfulness. So there's like visualization, there's guided imagery, there's so many different ways that people can be mindful. There's mindful eating, mindful walking. Really? Yeah. So it's it's ultimately the focus and the focus of meditation as well is to be more present, right? Yeah. Just like you said, to to redirect your thoughts. Yeah. Um, Meditation is not the only way to do it though, too. Really? Yeah. So where are, what are these other forms? Where are they? How do I find them? There's a ton of mindfulness resources online. Really? Yeah. They're I'm like... Probably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up mindfulness. Yeah. It's yeah, because it's a, it's a big... Like, I, I really focus on that a lot. Because, like I said, when I, when I work on my discipline, when I work on mindfulness, I just feel better. Like, my goal in life is to be happy. Yeah. Is to feel good all the time. And I don't mean that in, like, a euphoric sense. Right, right, right. But, like, I don't ever want to feel crappy. I know there's moments where you want to feel emotion. Yeah. Like you want to feel sadness. Like when you're watching a movie, you like, you can kind of like sympathize, empathize. I never use the right word, but genuine, like generally, I just want to be happy all the time. That should be the goal. I mean, yeah, but also is every situation like happy so that, that it becomes toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. There's such a thing as too positive. Really? Yes. Explain it. Because I'm probably toxic positivity. <laughs> it means that, like, basically you say everything's great, everything's fine in order to protect yourself from experiencing emotions. And the more that we push emotions to the side, the harder that it is to actually experience them throughout the course of time, right? It becomes more and more adaptive that you're just happy and you're just focusing on everything's great, everything's fantastic, right? So why would you want to feel more emotions? I mean, 
Because oh. as humans, like, that's that's how we're innately this is how wired. We're wired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so recently I've, I've kind of, it's come to mind quite often, balance. You, you, you can't have the good without the bad. Because right. if you only have good, then it's not good. It's just the standard. It's just, you know what I mean? It becomes like, you have to have those lows to really appreciate the highs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't appreciate good days if I didn't have a shitty day. Right. You know? And it makes you almost appreciate it more. But if they were all good all the time, and I think this is like the billionaires who have too much money and right. like nothing or is... Or the people that don't live in Buffalo and like have sun all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean like that's... Like you hear, you hear the saying, like rich people hate their lives. Yeah. Like being rich isn't everything. I hate when people say stuff like that. Because it makes it seem like being rich isn't great. Right. Being rich is great. It's got to be pretty nice. It has to be so nice. But I think it's it's more the sense of like, because everything's so accessible to you and so easy, it loses meaning. Yeah. Like the, the, the needing to work to save the money to get the thing that you want, the new gun, the new toy, the new car, the new whatever – the the working up towards it, that experience is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's what you're chasing, and then you get the good thing. If you always have money, and it's like I want a car right now, and you can Ferrari. just go out and buy a Ferrari, right. and then it's like you don't value but, it. Yeah, much. and then all cars are like, yeah, I could just buy any car I want anytime. I don't and, know. It's got it's got to be nice to be crying on a yacht compared to like a <laughs> Honda Civic. I don't know. No, but you're still crying. <laughs> but you're still crying. You're still. Feeling sad. In that moment, you're still not happy. So tell me... Yeah, but then, like, if I'm feeling unhappy, then I can just, like, book a plane oh, to go to, like, Bali it's, 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 and then feel better afterwards. I was going to say, it's probably much easier to become happy yeah. from, from being sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what money would help. Yeah, but you can do things even as a poor person. Like, you go for a walk. Like, what? Yeah, go see yeah, some yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just not that type of thing. It's not like, <laughs> I can't just go on a vacation to Bali. Yeah, being rich. No, but I can go for a walk around the block. Yes. Coping mechanism. Coping mechanism. Remember I told you I, I was teaching you all these, these not teaching you, <laughs> telling you I knew all these words and you're like, whoa, how do you know? Like, <laughs> like, I'm not dumb. <laughs> you know, I have some thoughts. I take pride in my brain. Yeah, no, and, and again, this is why I kind of want to do this podcast. Like, I want to learn. I didn't know what a schema was. I want to. I want to get different perspectives on life. I want to understand more things. And you don't get that unless you talk. Yeah. You, you don't no, get you don't. that unless you try to learn. Like, you have to try to achieve, grow. Uh, well, and you have like the growth mindset. That's like the important thing. That's. That's the nuance that a lot of people you're either hit or miss on. You either have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And what's like, a fixed mindset? Fixed mindset just means that like we're born as we are, like we got what we got, and there's really no doing anything about it. And like whenever you make mistakes, it's more of a character flaw or character attack because you don't think that you can improve beyond what you already have. Is is that something a person can change? Yeah. Can change into a growth mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's always, again, I, I think about this a lot. I don't understand. I don't want people to, uh, oh, yeah, you don't want to eat that. That's for you. You really just are, want to chew on everything. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's a everything. dog. That's a dog. That's a dog, dog. It's a dog, dog. Not a bad dude. You're a good puppy. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, like I said, I, I don't know why I became a growth mindset person. It's just who I've always been. It's adaptive, though. So adaptive. I had yes. to adapt to be a growth person? Yes. Yeah, so my parents, I tell you this, I told you my parents are deaf. Yes. My grandma, my grandpa, yep. I'm the oldest, so I was always interpreting for my family. You know, I, I was kind of thrust, not into adulthood, but into talking to adults yeah. at a very young age. It made me very comfortable with talking because I love to talk. But it made me really comfortable at, it made me feel really okay just going up to people and asking questions right. or going up to people and talking to them because I had to. Like my dad would tell me like, hey, go get his attention. I need you to talk to him. So I had to like introduce myself to an adult as a young kid and say, hey, my parents are deaf. I have to interpret so what my did, dad's trying to say. So you knew both sign and English then? Oh, right? yeah. I yeah. was signing at like six months. No shit. And then I didn't talk. I had to get speech therapy. I just found this out when I was really young because I... You're like my niece. The same thing happened and it was my fault. Because <laughs> I, got, I got her a sign language book. Yeah. And so she knows how to sign now and the same thing happened. She, get, she had to get a speech therapist. Because she just relied on Because she sign. relied on signing. Well, there's a, it's a pro and a con, okay? So they say that kids that learn sign language are a lot smarter. She's already you, a fucking genius. Yeah, because you, 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 you can swear. It's a podcast, man. <laughs> no, because you have to, um, at an earlier age, before you can learn to verbalize your thoughts, you can sign them way easier. Right. So you're, you're thinking like an adult way earlier than you would if you just talked. Right. Which is, it, Plus, sign language is the most expressive language. Yeah, I have... I have <laughs> very conflicting views on sign language. I do so ASL is American Sign Language. Yeah. And that's where they're like really it's almost like it's dance. animated. I hate it. Really? And I hate it because you're trying to communicate, okay? You're not trying to dance. You're not trying to be expressive. When I'm talking to my dad, I'm not trying to be dance expressive to him. I'm just trying to talk to him. I'm just trying to communicate clearly to him. And sometimes I feel like ASL has gotten too uh, like, it, it's all about it's the, like theatrical. Yeah, it's theatrical. It's dramatic. And it's it's very vague. So like, I always tell this to people when I get backlash for this is, again, is this. Right? Just one time. Mm. Repeat is this. Mm. Okay? Two different words. Pretty much the same sign, but a very small difference. Repeat, mm -hmm. and again. And I, I've told this to deaf people, and they were like, well, you know, if you're doing it, you would say again. And I'm like, I talk to thousands of deaf people. And when you're in a fast conversation, sometimes you're like, again, again, again. And that person might think you're saying, repeat, repeat, right, repeat. Right, right. And that might not seem like a big deal. But if you're talking to somebody and trying to use specific words for a reason, yeah. the words matter. That's why we have them in English. If they weren't important, we wouldn't have them. Right? We I would mean, just, yeah. the only word for again would be again. Not repeat, not secondary, not. I want to go back to the theatrics of ASL. Do you ever talk with your hands? Yes. So why is it okay for you to be theatrical when you communicate? Is that me being theatrical? Or is that a, um, what do you call it? Uh, not a tick. A mannerism? Mannerism. It's just, I'm not, it's the same gestures all the time. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's similar in nature, right? Like, you can be expressive when you talk. Yes. Right? So, like, 
your add-on is the hands, right? But that's their main form of communication. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not saying that they can't do it. No, I'm saying no, no, no. that, like, so I have a big gripe with interpreters. I grew up with deaf parents. I interpreted, right? I watched hundreds of interpreters as I was growing up. All the time. I always had interpreters at all my events. Boy Scouts, high school. I'm watching them interpret for my parents. I understand what they're saying. But my parents can't hear the speaker. Right. They can only see the interpreter. I can see the interpreter and I can see this. I can hear the speaker at the same time. I can process both. Right. And my biggest gripe was ASL is very dramatic and and theatrical. And sometimes they weren't saying what the speaker was actually saying. Because the speaker might be meaning it a certain way and saying a certain thing. And because those signs don't exist in ASL and it's dramatic and theatrical, it's like my parents are getting the gist of what's being said, but it's not exactly what's being said. So that was always my thing. And I have I do what's called uh, PSE, Pigeon Sign English. I don't know why it's called Pigeon Sign English. But I use like, when I say repeat, I make an R and I say repeat. Or I'll say like again. So I'm a lot more exact in it. And I like to fingerspell a lot more than I do expressive sign because I want to be more clear right. for who I'm talking That's to. That's going to be hard to communicate though. To it's, do fingerspelling. It's so hard. And... Um, the difference between PSC and ASL is being exact and not being exact, right? It's just kind of vague. Mm-hmm. I just don't like being vague when I talk. When I talk to somebody, I want to be exact. See, you're very detail-oriented, though, aren't you? Yes. Exactly. That's why. Right, but... That's why it matters so much to you. Somebody who's more, like, big, you know, like, yeah. big picture thought process. ASL is cool. Yeah. I guess ASL is just touted as the sign language for the deaf people. And it's yeah. not – That's I just disagree with it. I, I if, if somebody's saying something exact and it's being interpreted, it should be inter- it should be said the exact same way it's being said by the speaker. So is pigeon signing always just like with letters or – Yeah, it's just, it's just not ASL. Like ASL, they don't use finger letters right. when they do signs. Everything's right. expressive. Uh-huh. Everything is like a, a motion, a sign. PSC is just a more exact, I guess. I, I don't know. I guess I never researched like the exact difference, but that's what I was always told. I do PSE and ASL. Is what you so should, you don't really you know should. what you even sign in. No, well, I mean, <laughs> me and my family, we sign differently than everybody else. People call it like the Leroy sign English, <laughs> but because like my uncle's deaf, my dad's deaf, my mom's deaf, my sister, my brother, and I know sign language. And and because we've all lived with each other, my grandma's deaf, my grandpa's deaf, we just like sign really quickly and we don't do like the full signs because yeah. it's just like we understand each other yeah, so well. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like re- like other deaf people and interpreters, like they're very clear and big with their signs. And we're like, we're like, yeah, what's going on? It's almost like a slang. <laughs> it's almost like a slang for sign language. I, you know what I mean? Like, sense. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we did. Uh, that's what we did as a family growing up. But anyways, because of my parents, I had to, I had to do a lot of talking to adults, which I think made me the way I am. I just, I'm really confident because I put myself through not trauma, but the uncomfortableness of right. being a kid talking to an adult. Right. And you learned that you had to adapt to that environment too. Yeah. So do you think I actually learned I had to adapt or I just did? Because you, you, you keep referring to that, that, that I adapted or that people adapt. Mm-hmm. 
Is that, that you're adapting to every situation all day, every day? Yeah, pretty much. Essentially adapting. Yeah, yeah I guess that's what the word means. Adapting. You're just changing for the situation. If you think about it, it's kind of like when an animal is in homeostasis, right? Like they always have to be reacting in order to be within that that time frame or adapting. Excuse me. Okay. To be within like that biological state. Yeah. Of of like okay. Of being chill. Huh. I guess I never thought about it like that. That's what I mean. I like talking to people because it makes me think of different perspectives. Well, and then every every behavior is functional until it becomes a problem for a person. Is the other piece of it too. How so? So you can adapt and you can be adaptive and you can have functional behaviors that are healthy. And then the moment where it becomes unhealthy is when it becomes problematic for you. In society. I mean, in society. Or anytime. Well, I guess if you were in the woods and a behavior became a problem, like you weren't afraid of the cold water, you could drown. Right. Man. I think about that a lot, too. How many millions water? of years of evolution of like things happening and, and like the genes changing and the, the behaviors that we did so much, the adapting over millions of years that led us to being the humans we are now. That's wild. I mean, we are the product of a million years of millions, thousands years of evolution. People are still eating Tide Pods. Oh my God. <laughs> So we haven't really come that far there, Steve. You know what's crazy? <laughs> so my buddy yesterday, we were talking about Socrates and Plato. And so many of the writings of Socrates and Plato are still relevant today. Mm -hmm. Like the, the world, he said this to me yesterday, that democracy sucks, but it's the best thing we got. Mm -hmm. And they had the same problem 3,000 years ago yep. in Athens. You would think that somebody would have figured this out by now. Well, we, we did say that in the terms of humanity, 3,000 years is a blink of an eye. That's also so true. Democracy is just a stepping stone onto where we're going as a species. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Right? I mean, I would think so. But. Yeah, it does suck. People do ruin it. Government does ruin things. Regulation ruins things. Don't What's get, that? Don't get me <laughs> no, there's no fear. This is <laughs> this is a podcast. We can say whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. We're smoking weed. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> no, I just again, I'm doing this because I enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I don't ever get to do this with people, but at the same time, I wanted I want to go into the details about everything. Yeah. Because we never get the chance to, and I want sure. people to be able to hear your perspective on. The mind and government and this and that and the other because maybe like me, they just didn't realize, oh my God, I never thought about it from that angle before. Mm -hmm. It makes me understand it or, or comprehend it that much better. And then they can make better decisions in their lives. Or people will just say that I'm full of shit. <laughs> We're all kind of full of shit. So that's what he was, my buddy Bill said about um, Socrates as well, that Plato climbed the mountain to talk to the oracle. And he, he asked the oracle, who's the smartest person in, in all the world? And she said, Socrates. So he runs back down and he tells Socrates, you'll never believe it. I just talked to the oracle. She told me, you're the smartest. You know everything. 
And Socrates goes, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know that's right. Yeah. Well, I know, I, the, I know that I know nothing. Yeah, because... Listen, I took philosophy in college, Steve. Damn, so did Bill. I didn't, I didn't go to college. So I'm just learning all this now. That's why it's so exciting for me. I didn't get a chance to absorb all that information. But yeah, I, that, that is so cool that because he knows nothing... He, was, he can learn everything. He know, like the Oracle said, he's the smartest man yep. on, on the earth. Yep. Because he's willing to admit that he knows nothing. Right. So yeah, life is everything and nothing all at the same time. Like it's so complicated. It's so complicated. But apparently the only thing that you have to do is stay happy. I mean, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you want to be... If you... Our life on this earth is so finite and so short. Wouldn't you want to be happy most of the time? I mean, that'd be great. That's also not life. Says who? <laughs> Says who? Why can't I be happy all the time? You can be. I'm, I'm generally... I, I shouldn't say that. I do get in some pretty bad moods, but I think it's because of life. <laughs> Interesting. What a novel concept, Steve. I, I, we, were, <laughs> we were driving back from South Carolina. We went to Myrtle Beach. And a 16-hour drive with four kids. Sounds awful. It was terrible. You give them all Benadryl. No, <laughs> that's illegal. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, we can't say that. On yeah, no, we can't say that. To <laughs> no, I did CPS. Call. Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, they were loud the whole time. The reason that it took sixteen hours is because we had to stop every other hour to go to the bathroom to get food, to get coloring books, to do this, to get <laughs> to that. Get coloring books. You well, didn't you, have those packed already, Steve. We did. They used them up on the, the ride down. You only had one book. Yeah, we were. Dude, I can only. You can only prepare so much. You need to get a whole series yo having four kids is no joke could you imagine back then no. when people had 10 kids 12 kids and there's no tops you have to go hunting for your food could you imagine that'd be awful it it makes sense why so many people die it also makes sense why <laughs> as we've evolved we stop doing that as frequently having that many kids yeah <laughs> are you afraid of the epidemic of us not having enough kids have you heard that i have heard about that, that like less people are less people are less children are born every day than people are dying or something like really? that. really right? i didn't know that oh sorry i may have i may have just made that up well, we, we can google we can, that we can google that google what, it what's the question uh are more children or no are more people dying each day than children being born can i go to the google machine are more Kids born then people die every day. Or did I say, I said it backwards. It's fine. It'll give you the same result. Every day. So for each person that dies, two point three nine babies are born. Oh. Yeah. So well then I guess I made that shit up. However, the birth rate is dropping while deaths are slightly increasing. By 2050, the ratio is expected to be one for every one and three, three fourths. Mm-hmm. Yo. I did hear that. You want to know why? Because gay people are hitting dogs now. Oh, <laughs> uh, not to sound crass, you guys can't have kids <laughs> biologically, anyways. I mean, you're not, just choosing not to not within <laughs> the two of them. Yes, right. Correct. You're right. So I mean, that's, biologically, getting dogs children isn't, isn't are the born, problem. Though. Yeah. No, I, I'm kind. I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. 
I think about these things for my kids. Because when you have kids, really the whole world, your whole world does change. Like, I can never not think about my kids. See, I don't think I'm ready for that. Don't. Don't. <laughs> it's, it's not a... I don't want to say it like this because it's not a bad thing. I love my kids to death. I'm so glad I had them. But I almost wish I didn't. Because it, it, it brings a level of responsibility and terror to you that never goes away. I, I mean, I'm terrified of what would happen if one of my kids died. It would be the end of my world. And I, and I can't believe that there's human beings. Obviously, it's not the end of your life. But like, there's human beings who have lost children. It just, your life is never the same. And I'm going to tell you, as great as it is, never do it. If you are cool with never having kids, it's a blessing to not have kids. It is, it is a blessing to have kids, and it's a blessing to not have kids. And in my just advice different to you, kinds of blessings. Yes. And my advice to you is... To don't be have blessed kids. by not yes. having kids. Yes. Got because, it. oh my God, <laughs> this, my kids are going to hear this one day and they're going to hate my guts. Without kids, me and oh, my wife... Oh, they'll definitely already have gone through that. Yeah, same. right? Don't worry, Steve. Oh, I know. I always just hate to be a teenager soon. They'll hate you in like three years. It'll so, be great. So sad. But yeah, my, like, we, my, wife say, me, my, my wife and I say it all the time. You could just up and leave the house. You could just plan a vacation. Yep. You could just run to the store. Sure can. You could just go to the gym. Absolutely. You have so much more free time. Yep. I don't have a minute of free time. Not a single minute. If I'm not working, I'm home. And if I'm home, I'm a slave to my children. Daddy, I need a drink. Daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy, will you play with me? Daddy, can I go outside? And if they go outside, I got to watch sounds them. Sounds like you need to be bringing those kids out on the farm to become more self-sufficient. No. So, so it's funny you say that because we also talked about this yesterday. The kids for my wife and the kids for me. Whenever I watch them and then I'm like, this is like I'm a stereotypical dude. Like I just don't watch my kids. Whereas like the moms are like, my wife makes them do coloring books and she buys them kinetic sand. You're like, just and don't kill each other. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. here's the McDonald's. But no, no, I would never give them that trash. <laughs> Ooh, trash. <laughs> it's good for my kids to be with me though. Because it teaches them independence. Because my wife does take care of them so well, they will not do a single thing by themselves when my wife is home. It's like the same concept as knowing sign language and not having to speak. Yes, yes. Because you can sign, you choose not to speak. Right. But when I'm home with my kids and they come to me for a drink, I'm like, you know where the cups are. <laughs> and they're like, but mommy, I'm like, okay, you need help opening the juice and, and pouring it? I'll, pour, I'll help you. Who's in but, charge? But I'm like, you're getting the cup. You know where they are and I know you can reach them. So I make them do it. But... As cruel as that sounds, I really think... I don't think that's that cruel. It's not like you're like... No, but some people would say that. Like, oh, you don't get your kid a cup when he asks for it? No. I mean, how old's your kid? Eight, seven, and five and five. Oh. Oh, Are what? you kidding? Am I kidding what? What? They're like older than two. They can go and get their own shit. Oh, okay. Obviously, you're not aware <laughs> of helicopter parenting and how coddled our society Trust is. Trust me. My, my family's like that. They coddle the kids. My sister does, yeah. Oh, my sister kind of does the same thing. She really, she, my, my sister will hear this and she'll agree with me. She definitely split, but he's the first and he's the only. She, she like, my kids are tough, right? And I, w- I would prefer that they were tough and independent because you need to have those yeah. qualities. 
sure. And by me letting them get hurt and cried off and not running to them when they get hurt or letting them fight with each other or making them get their own, you know, chips or drink, I think I'm making them good people. I think I'm making them resilient. You need to let them. And I'm not saying this is in a negative tone to my wife. I love that she takes care of them the way she does. That's why she's mom. Mm -hmm. Like when they're crying, they call for mom. But I don't know. I just can't coddle them like that. Like I just. I wouldn't. I don't have to. You're also a man. You're also a man. I would not be able to. You're a man. My sister has an app. I shit you not. That sends an alarm. Whenever it's time for my niece to eat, whenever it's time for my niece to go nap, yeah, like bath time, everything. But is that a is that a bad is that a, is that a bad thing? I mean, to have would you want your life dictated by a, an app? No, but I don't think she's doing it for the kids. See, that kind of thing seems like they're doing it for themselves. It makes it easier to have a kid because if the if the, if the food time is always the same and they get into a routine routine to go to bed at the time that you set. It makes having a kid easier to have. I, I mean, I could speak from experience. My kids don't have a bedtime. To an extent, it's terrible. <laughs> it's the kids are my kids are set next to savages. Honest to God, like you know, you know, you know what I compare my kids to. You ever seen uh, Peter Pan? Yes. And like the, the Lenverland boys, yep. Yep. those are my kids. <laughs> like they're just. I have this twenty-seven hundred square foot farmhouse, and they just just run all <laughs> over it. And, like, they're on tables and, like, <laughs> jumping on couches and wrestling with each other in the middle of the living room. And I have dogs chase three dogs that chase them oh and my cats. It, 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 my kids are the savages from Neverland. <laughs> but that being said, I'm super happy about that. I'm sure. I'm, I want them to be kids. Yeah, I want them to be kids. Did you have to go back to Oh, you got a toy. What do you got to do? What do you got to do? Oh, what a good boy. He's just got a lot of energy. He's got a ton of energy. But, like, I want my kids to be kids. Yeah. I want them... I don't them think there's anything wrong with that. No. Well, not according to some people. Well, there's a balance between yes. the two. Balance. I told you. Balance. I brought that up. Everything's about balance. Everything's about because balance. Because I've lived next to houses that don't have balance, and the cops were there, like, every night. Yo. The cops were in my backyard chasing them. Like, that's what happens. That's... That's why I don't want kids because I don't want to be that parent that like. That's when you were a kid. No, 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 no. I'm talking like, about my neighbors. Like, oh before. my gosh. It's okay. It is modern. So, tell me more about your childhood. Tell me more. Tell you more. Yes. About my childhood. Because it sounds the good, the bad, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly. Um. So I grew up in Dutchess County. Uh, an hour north of New York City. Um, my, I have one older sister, two years older than me, two and a half years older than me. Um, and we grew up in this small town, like kind of comparable to East Aurora, maybe a little bit smaller. Oh, cool. Um, very small. And I, so my dad was uh, self-employed. Yeah. He is a painter. No, you met him yeah. when you painted the house. Chevy uh, Chase. Yeah, yeah, Chevy Chase. <laughs> he does look just like him. It's insane. Oh, now that I'm remembering it, like I'm like visualizing your dad, and all I can visualize is the actual Chevy Chase. Yeah. Because they look so much alike. Yeah. What? Continue. Yeah. Um, painter, self-employed. Painter, self-employed, Chevy Chase wannabe. <laughs> um, 
jack of all trades, and my mom used to clean houses oh, cool. um, as her main job, and then she would stay home with us and whatever. Yeah. So that was pretty solid. Um, my dad would work, you know, you own a business, like crazy hours. It's, it's, we'll talk about it more later in this podcast because it is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, and it seems to be... It's like one of those things that like no hard, no matter how hard I try, bad things happen. Like it's just it's just it has a lot of obstacles. Yeah. No matter what you do. I mean, uh, yeah. So yeah, I understand what your dad was going through. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It is. It is. And the more that I grow up, the more that I have empathy about that. Like appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also like you know. That's the kind of shit I want to talk about. I like I like learning that. What empathy? No, just like as you get older, it's so easy. To judge yes. when you're younger, yes, because you're you're frustrated, you're angry, yes. whatever, right. And then as you get older, it's like, there, but there's no, no matter how much somebody tells you, like when you get older, you all understand, like you just don't get it right now. No, you don't. In that moment, you're just like, nah, no, nobody it understands. sucks. You don't nobody understand me. It. And then you get older, and I'm like, damn, I know I get it. the stress of life beats down on you, and then all the things that you remember as a kid of your parents and adults around you doing. You're like, oh my god! It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Yep, yep. That's the age I'm at right now. That's the age we're at right now. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, the more that I get it, the more that I look back on it, I'm <laughs> right. like, yeah, that was pretty messed up. And I would also, drink. I, I would drink a lot too. Yeah, I would do drugs a lot too. Right. I would get angry and yell a lot too. Yep. I would do that too. Not saying that it's right, but it's understandable. Yes. So you understand your dad? He was a painter. Mom was a cleaner. Yeah. You live an hour north of New York City. Yes. Um, quaint little village. Quaint little village. Quaint little town. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I kind of mentioned before about age 13, like, becoming more independent. So my family shut in from a two-income household, so primarily Is just my mom. Did the divorce? Uh, no, actually, my dad was still living there, but he was out of work. Um, so was he, like, depressed? Uh, more drinking. Well, that's depressed. Yeah. That's Drink, yeah, drinking yeah, yeah, is yeah. his coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. I like I said when I my business wasn't doing the best, and yeah. it's not even like not having work. It was just like we were working, but just shit didn't look good. Yeah, I got into like a little a small state of depression. Like yeah, even my close friends didn't see it. I saw it though. Like I knew I wasn't okay. Yeah. Well, so, you know, and I I started smoking weed a lot more than I normally did. Yeah. So, well, my dad. My dad was sober for like 16 years. Before that? Before that point. Wow. And after being like an alcoholic or after just. After being an alcoholic, yeah. Wow. So both him and my mom were. That's how they met. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Was by partying. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my, my dad was sober for like 16 years, I think it was. And then, so his uh, his relapse was. 2007, 2008. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, all every time I hear a story from somebody, it, it always happens around 2007, 2008. Do you know why? Well, that's the, the recession. The recession, yeah, yeah. It really ruined a lot of people's it lives. It ruined, ruined, ruined a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of when things went downhill for my dad. Um, and so, like... So just business wasn't good, Cosmo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, like... He's always been the kind of person that, like, we were talking about before, like, not experiencing emotions, right? Like, yeah. like kind of push everything to the side, like, 
get to it. Like, you're going to be fine. Just keep going. You know, that yeah. kind of attitude. You almost have to. I mean, like, like you said, like we adapt to our situation, especially as a contractor, you have to, like a lot of bad shit happens. But it's then, very difficult. But then you what happens to, when the recession hits? That's even worse. Yeah. It's like a rock bottom. Right. It's a rock bottom type thing, which obviously causes you to start thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that happened 13 years old. 13. Yeah. Then you can wear one, one income household. Yep. They so, probably weren't getting along. Nope. I uh, didn't talk to I, I lived, so the four of us lived together, yeah. but I didn't talk at all with my dad. So, like, we, we've gone periods of, like, years without talking to each other. Even being around each other? Even being around each other. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I started. And what do you attribute that to? Like, is it, do you think that's his fault, your fault? Like, a little bit of both. Like, I definitely didn't understand how to support somebody with drinking problem. I mean, nobody does at age 13, Yeah, yeah, arguable. That's not your responsibility to... I mean, it's also not his responsibility to be sober for me. Kind of. I mean, in a way, yeah, but also, like, he's a human. He's going to do what he's going to do. Right, but I would would argue... See, I I disagree, because that's that's part of what makes me who I am. I feel a response... Because whether I intended to or not brought my kids into the world, they're my responsibility. And if that means being sober, I 100% would be sober if it was getting in the way of taking care of my kids. And that's very noble. And that's not the same for everybody, though. No. And just because that's that's your values and your morals doesn't mean that... No, no, I, I don't, I'm not even speaking to values and morals. Don't you think that, like, a... Well, I guess if you look in the animal world, there's a lot of dads that just make the kid and bounce. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I never again. See, this is why I like talking about this stuff because you never really think about it from that perspective until it's like said. And you're like, yeah. Wait, actually, sense. why am I supposed to be responsible for my kids' well-being? But see, we're humans and we have an advanced understanding. Yeah, we are. We should be responsible for our kids. Like we helped make them. Yeah, you know, like I mean, yes, and and I, like I said, I think those those are almost like two different kind of conversations. One's morals and ethics, and one's yeah. like the nature of the world. Yeah. Like, your backyard at your house could be like, you ever see those TV shows where they, they like come in into like a city area with like a really tiny yard, but they make it super nice with like a swinging Are bed. Are you telling me that my house is an HGTV project? Yes. A hundred percent. Your house could be like an HGTV project. So, for those of you that don't know, Steve did the work on my house. And saved the saved project. project, and that's how an evil person, this beautiful friendship formed. Yes, thank um, you, man. I love through trauma you bonding. Yeah. So <laughs> we did talk about trauma bonding. Yeah, but man. I'm telling you though, that's ba- so. <laughs> there's still still debris in my backyard. Oh. Not Steve's fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's only so many things to control. So, um, I so, do have a, a you know sidebar. I do have a dumpster. A dump trailer. Uh-huh. So if like if you set it off to the side of the bag and I can take it, if, like you can't get it out with the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll help you. Out. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we're not getting off topic. No, we have to talk about where were we with your family history. Oh, I want to learn about. That's you. right. I want to learn that's about. Right. That's right. That's you were right. trying to. Oh, is that like a distraction tactic? No. Oh, I have to go to the bathroom. No, no, no. So we stopped talking about my you, childhood. You heard how long I had to <laughs> no, be for Steve. No. I'm not you're, fibbing. You're staying very hydrated. Yes. Is it, I know you've been working out a lot. Yes. I see your videos. 
Yes. Is there a reason? To eat whatever I want. Really? (laughs) Are you being serious? Partially. I mean, right now I'm at a place with working out that I am trying to lose a little bit of weight so that way then I can build up muscle mass. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so you, like, but you, you care about your health. Yeah. It's not just so you can, like, my wife, I think, legit just works out because works out she, she looks good when she works out, but it's so that she can eat terrible. She loves junk food. I love junk food. I, I, who doesn't I love junk food? I will fuck up <laughs> a bag of Reese's, <laughs> a bag of peanut butter M&M's. Yeah. I used to... When I was in grad school, I used to get the three-pound sour um, sour gummy worm bags from so Five Below. Good. So below, so good. I used to literally eat an entire bag. An entire bag, dude. You look, in a you night look or like two. I know. <laughs> you know how much sugar that is? So much. Like, like it's a wonder that I didn't go into like diabetic yeah, yeah, yeah. coma. Uh, diabetes coma. Those are a real thing. <laughs> Those are a real thing. Like insulin, insulin overload or Seriously. underload. Yeah. Right. You produce insulin when you eat sugar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so insulin overload. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, but that's – and also, like, that's how I prepare for, for work most days is by going to the gym. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, my time that I have to myself. But see, that's a, that's a form of discipline. Yeah. Going consistently to the gym yeah. every day. And then putting yourself through high levels of stress early. Yeah. To better cope with the day. Pretty much. Because then everything else, like, that's a tactic I use in my ice bath, is if I have a particularly tough day or something I don't want to do with that day, I think about it while I'm in the ice bath. Mm-hmm. And it, the ice is so terrible that it makes whatever I was not looking forward to seem not, not that bad. big a deal. Yeah. I'm like, that's nothing compared to how terrible this is right Pretty now. Much. But it's awesome because it works. And then, like, yeah. I go through my day, I'm like... Oh, yeah, why was I so worried about that? I could totally handle that. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 just a cool... So, yeah, working yes. out. Yeah, yeah. I just saw you been posting a lot of videos about it, and yes. I was curious, because I've been... I'm on a, a wellness journey. Health kick, whatever. I'm just really focused on being the best me. I'm, I'm just really focused on mentally being happy and... and and good at talking about my feelings and, and being mentally well. Because that's a big thing nowadays. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really focused on like my physical health, being physically healthy, eating right, working out, taking the ice plunge, and then just overall being a good person. I don't understand why that is such an obsessive thing for me. It's 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 weird. <laughs> it's What's weird about it? That I obsess so much about it. That is one of my sole focuses in life. It's just being the best me. I mean, is that a bad thing? No, but why? I don't know. Why? That, that's a good question. Steve. Why don't I want to be like a, a junkie? Not that like anybody chooses to be a junkie, but the decisions. Why don't I want to be that person? Make those decisions that lead you to being a junkie. You know what I'm saying? I think I mean, so much about that. Yeah. I think a little too much. <laughs> well, and, and that's also to say, though, that, right, like, I think that there's a distinction between being a good person or, like, well, right, so, like, that kind of insinuate. I don't want... You can insult me. 
You can insult me. I it kind of it kind of comes across that like all junkies are, are not good people. people. Yeah, that's very true. And just because somebody does drugs doesn't mean they're a good or a bad person. No, you're right. I just <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I I wasn't insinuating that I was insinuating that a junkie is a bad person. No, 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 no. No, no. By the way, I said it, but I don't think of a junkie as a bad person. What I was saying is, why don't I make those choices that led them to to get where they are? I mean, you also have probably different life experiences. Yes, we both have. You know, like like you guys had very different upbringing before. Yeah, and I mean that a lot of it turns into like the environment that you're born into and the environment that you choose to stay in, because just because you're born somewhere doesn't mean that you have to stay in that environment. Right. Right. It's it's the mindset of the person. And that's why sometimes I get concerned with my obsession for perfection. That's a better way to say it. I have an obsession for perfection. I don't think it's a healthy one. It's not a bad one. Like It usually leads to a lot of good things happening for me. But it, it seems... I can see how somebody could be very easily obsessed with like making lots of money or, or, you know, becoming a bodybuilder, being so obsessed with your physique. You know what I'm saying? Well, I can see the, why that happens. Because you see progress over time. Yeah. That's the thing. It's the instant gratification of being able to see things yeah. and to see progress. Yeah. I also, I mean, like, I'm, I'm certainly not a perfectionist at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Oh, um, you do things very well. <laughs> so I guess I wonder, like, for you, like, what does being a perfectionist do for you? Makes me happy. I I, I feel like I get a dopamine hit. Like so, I, so it is feels that a, good to do things right. Is that a bad thing? No. I mean, do you think you put an unhealthy amount of pressure on yourself? Sometimes. Are you psychoanalyzing me? <laughs> it feels like I'm in a therapy session, which is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> this is what I said I wanted to talk to people because it's like free counseling. Like if you truly bury yourself to somebody, like you have a good conversation yeah. with somebody, you like you're burying yourself, yeah. your mental state, your emotions to that person. Like you get entrenched in the conversation, right? Yeah, for sure. It's 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 a free form of therapy. It is a free form of therapy. Normally, I'd kill you for that. I know! You were doing so well. Like, why do you feel like that? What makes you think like that? Like, God dang it, he's making me realize things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tanner, come here. That's alright. He's just whatever he wants. Good. So, continue. 13, it all 13, went awry. It all went awry. Uh, that was like when I started basically waiting to graduate high school and like get out. Yeah. Um, you, so you were looking at graduation, like, like you that were was escaping. That was my get out of town card escaping. for free because I was planning on going dorming somewhere and like never going back ever again. Is that what you did? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought because you live here now that like your plan worked. <laughs> no, well, no. So actually, um, I transferred after a year and a half. So I went to SUNY Plattsburgh after I graduated high school. Um, went there for a year and a half for my undergrad in psych. Um, is that near your house? So you didn't? No, 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 no. So Plattsburgh's up near Canada. Oh, like, wow. uh, four hours north of where I'm, four hours 
going to wherever. So you did go. Yes. First year and a half right out yep. of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I transferred back home to commute because I knew that I had to do additional schooling and I didn't want to shift my student loans. So right. I. Which was a good call. Yes. <laughs> Looking yes. back at everybody who has yes. massive amounts of student loans Seriously. that they can't get out of. Very good choice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I transferred back home and I lived at home probably until I was like 21 got my own place, moved to Connecticut, um, was along the way I've had different jobs, uh, mostly yeah. behavioral health uh, since I was 21. So when I was 21, I got a job at a direct care facility nice. um, for kids with autism behavioral diagnoses. Yeah. And so I worked there um, in their direct staff with de-escalation of kids. Oh, nice. Things of that nature. I did that for like four years. Yeah. And I started um, working in inpatient detoxes, which is where it all comes full circle in terms of uh, some of the things that I experienced growing up. Oh, that gosh. was part of the reason like, why I wanted to get into the field, yeah. because of my experiences. I was going to say that that had to kind of, not hit home, but give you a reason to to kind of pursue that career path. Yeah. That's yeah. something to you. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I wanted to be a support to people who kind of, like, you know, were going, going through, through it. And so I did that, and then I graduated my master's, and cost too damn much money to live downstate. Um, I can't believe how expensive New York City is. Cannot believe Well, and now it's even going north to the point that, like, Pauling, which is rinky-dink little town, yeah. it's like $1,600, $1,700 for a one-bedroom apartment. That's how it is for a one-bedroom? For a one-bedroom. I was just going to say, because like here, I used to get like 500 bucks for a one-bedroom, six, 700 bucks for a two-bedroom, and like eight, nine, a thousand bucks for a three-bedroom. And now I feel like you can get a one-bedroom for like a thousand bucks. You literally can get a one-bedroom. Like that's like the cheapest thing yep. out there, yep. which blows my mind because I still have tenants that are you know much less than that. But it's like the cost of living, how fast it grows, and then to imagine that that's always been how expensive things are for people downstate. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. My first apartment that I paid for was a thousand dollars a month for oh a one bedroom for a one bedroom with no utilities included. How? So do jobs have to pay better? No. And then how? So the cost of living is so high that your your happiness, like the amount of things people can do in that area have to be less. Yeah. I mean, you can't spend as much. Well, I mean, people make a good amount of money. Well, the thing is that also people that are from the city buy houses in Calling in surrounding areas oh. and commute down, so it's kind of like a like a bridge almost. Yeah, yeah, because they can make a lot of money in New York City, but yes, yeah. buy a little bit cheaper. But it's still high for that area, but right. it's not as yeah, high as Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah. Well, and so then I applied to jobs out here. Um, I got a job at Catholic Charities. Oh, nice. Uh, I worked there for a year. I did in-home therapy in Niagara Falls. Yeah. So... That landed you in Buffalo? 
Yes, that landed me in Buffalo. Well, because my so my best friend Hannah, yeah. um, I went to Plattsburgh with her, and we both transferred around the same time, and we lost contact with just about everybody else at the college. So we yeah. maintained connection, Aww. the two of us. So I like came to Buffalo a bunch of times. Yeah. And went out here and was like, this doesn't suck nearly as much as Pauling. <laughs> uh, then you haven't stayed here long enough. <laughs> it can be pretty brutal. It certainly can. Like we've been saying, it can be, life is work. Work is hard. It's Seriously. all sucks. It really is. It's all your perspective on the situation. Sure is. And, yeah, no. So, so crazy. I And I was actually talking about this today, too. My my five-year plan was to stay in Buffalo and then move. So, like, after five years, getting out of Dodge, like, yeah. doing what I needed to do, getting licensed, and then uh, moving back down. Yeah. And this summer will be five years. Wow. So. So what are you going to do? Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Not, really? Not with that house. Well, I mean, you could. It's, a, it's an asset now. No. I mean, you could just. It's part of my five-year plan to get out of here, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, just. I mean, if you rented out both units, like your unit, you would make money on it every month. Why couldn't you go buy new house? Why not? That's a form of income. I mean, that's how I I bought my first, I bought a three unit when I was 19. And I moved out of there after the first year of owning it to move back with my parents. So I'd get more rent for the apartment that I was living in. That's smart. And then that, I forget what the numbers were. But I made like nine hundred or a thousand bucks a month. I'm sure just off all the rents after paying my mortgage. So that's, that's like a form of income for me, and it helped me buy my next, my next house because I had an additional like I had two forms of income coming. So you totally could. I mean, it's also not in the deck of cards yet. It's, yeah. it's in the five year plan. Yeah, yeah. To move out west. So and your boyfriend, Buffalo bound. Uh, well, both. We're planning on leaving. Oh, so, really? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very nice, man. To go to Arizona is the plan. Really? Yes. Why Arizona? Because I hate the snow, and I want to get as far away from it as humanly possible. Do you know what's crazy? Me and my wife have been talking about moving down south. I, I don't think you're crazy. It's, I, it's awful, the winter's here. And the taxes. And the taxes. Taxes, the cost of living, it's brutal. Wait, it's still way cheaper for taxes here than it is down in Pauling. Really? Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, that's crazy. But again, like you said, everybody's making a lot more money. Yeah. Because they're closer to the city. Right. Yeah. So Arizona. Yeah. Long term. Really? Yeah. Like officially, you think that's where you'd end up? I ideally want to go there. I would also be accepting of California, too. Really? Just you want a nicer climate. I want a nicer climate for sure. You and don't care about the taxes of California? Um, at that point, I don't think it'll matter as much because so our long term plan is um to open up a private practice of our own. Oh nice. Yeah. So like um he would do the prescribing on one half for yeah. medication and then the other half I would form I would do therapy. Oh, that's so cool. So we would like open up our own spot and do private pay and so nice. So you have like a business plan to be able yeah. to afford living in California. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's all part of the five year plan too, is that I have to finish up my certification yeah. for the counseling for 
Yeah, and I, who who cares about a timeline? Because I used to be so obsessed with I had to have certain achievements by the time I was thirty. Yeah, and then I didn't have one of them by the time I was thirty. And after I was thirty, I was like, it's not wasn't that big a deal. Like I got that achievement. It just didn't happen before thirty. Right. So if it doesn't happen in a five year plan, like it doesn't matter. And, no, and as long as you're continually striving and growing and achieving goals, like that's a that'd be amazing. Well, my five year plan is also like when I'm in my mid thirties, so I will basically be dead. Oh, so thirties uh, <laughs> is not how old are you? Twenty. I'll be twenty nine next week. Oh god, thirties is not. I forget that I'm not. You know how you get so used to just being one of the youngest people in the conversation majority of the time? Yeah. And then you reach a point yep. 30s yep. where you're not. The, yep. That's me right now. Yep. Like I, I was like, I totally assumed I was younger than you, but you're not younger than me. No. I'm older. God, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that happened, that happened with me one of my, with one of my supervisees the other day. I was like, yeah, you're like, what are you, turning 25? And he's like, no, I'm 27. I was like, "Oh, sorry." Oops. I to, yeah. And he's like, "Why? How old are you?" Yeah. And I'm, I'm fearful now to tell people that I'm almost thirty. Oh, it's not that bad. It's just like everything else we were just talking about, life and all of its situations and hardships. You, you just wake up the next day and you keep going. And that's I. When do you have your midlife crisis? I don't know. Is it a thirties thing? No, some of your forties. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's for a different reason, but I just, like, recently, again, I'm having all these realizations now as a 30-year-old, you know, 30-something boy. It's going to go on like this for a while. Because you know when you're a kid, there's first grade, second grade, third grade, summer vacation. There was always something to, like, look, yeah, look forward, forward to. to. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there was always we have retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is in, like, 30-some fucking years, yeah. man. Yeah. We, like, when you're a kid, you just grow up, and it's like, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like, there's always something to look forward to. It's like, I'm going to be an adult when I'm 18. Literally. I can drink. I can smoke. Do I can vote. I can do all this shit. I can buy a house. I can have kids. And then you do all the shit. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> now I can get an AARP membership yeah. in 20 years. Yeah, like, there's just 30 years of doing the like, same that's, that's the thing only thing I look forward over. to. Yeah. Like getting ten percent off at hotels and restaurants. I, I'm having those thoughts, and I, I, I was like, "Is this the midlife crisis?" But I think the midlife crisis is when you realize like a good chunk of your life is over. Yeah, and then you want a Ferrari. Yeah, and you're like, "I only got so much life left. I got to do something." Right. Yeah, I, I'm not having that realization yet. I'm just realizing that like, man, there's a long time. There's gonna be a lot of time, a lot of time of doing, going to work, fixing somebody's house. Doing a podcast, going out drinking with my friends, playing volleyball. Like, I'm just going to do that in a repetitive nature for the next 30 years. You know, I'm going to throw in some nice new things, adventures. But, like, it's a lot of life left, man. Yeah. A lot of life left. It's tough to, like, not get stuck in the routine of it all, too. Right? Like, because you, once you get into it, it becomes comfortable. I know. I find myself falling into that trap often because it is comfortable. It is so good. Like, I love going to bed at 9.30. Me too. <laughs> if I'm in bed by 9, I have a sleep timer thing on my phone. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, my phone every night at 9 o'clock jingles. Ding, 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 go to bed. You know, I never go to bed at no. 9. 
No. But it just like it like prompts you. I think I'm doing like a Pavlov's dogs type thing. <laughs> that every time I hear that jingle, I'm like inherently I just get like a little sleepier. <laughs> what the, what's happening to me? Oh, I heard that damn jingle. It's like getting close to bed. It's like it's like Nyquil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I do. I love going to bed by nine, and it, it's the best when you get a nice full night of sleep. It really is. Oh man, we're getting old, and I'm. I have the same alarm at 10. Right? The little jingle yes. every night at 10. And then every morning I'm like 6 a.m. up. Right? Jesus, this is awful. It's this like gro- it's almost like a groundhog's day. It really is. You know what I mean? And I, maybe that's like the... So as, you, as I get older, I have these realizations about movies that I've seen as a younger person. And then you're like, re- you rethink about the movie. And you're like, oh my God. They totally were making like a model of like the American life like go to sleep wake up do the same yep. thing over like we just don't realize it but that's what like Groundhog's Day probably yep. was like a joke on yep. like he was just it's Groundhog's Day every day I, I get the movie <laughs> you know but it's like you don't have those realizations until you're in it right you're in it and I'm not saying that my life's bad I love my life I, I really do but it is there is a monotonous nature to the oh, work, the work-life grind, the work-life balance. There always is. I know, but again, you just don't feel Think them until you it. feel them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I should have asked, do you have like a hard stop time? Uh, 8 840. 840? Yeah. Probably wrap up. Okay. Honestly. Let's do uh, 10 more minutes. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I, I can talk online. I know. I tell you, this is therapy. Um, Therapy. Have you done any research or read anything about uh, mushrooms? Because, like... What, microdosing? Microdosing, macrodosing. So, again, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. He's great. He's he's a psychonaut. You know, he's big into the... uh, What do you call it? Psychedelics. Psychedelics. And he brought on Rick Doblin... Who is like a he runs Maps, which is like a exploratory into therapy using psychedelics. Okay. Because it was really really effective. Yeah. Back when they were starting it in like the sixties and seventies, and then it all got right shut to shit. shut down. Yeah, because yeah. they, they shut it down. People abused it. Yeah. But there's so many therapy applications to uh, psychedelics. Like, have you being a counselor and a therapist? Um. So, not too much on mushrooms. I'm more familiarized with, like, ketamine. Okay. Um, primarily, but I have heard that, like, I don't know the research that's out there, but if you, like, microdose shrooms for a day or two, like, you feel the therapeutic effects of it for the next, like, three or four days. Really? Yeah. So, I was able to get a hold of, like, a small bottle of uh, microdose mushroom pills. Like they, they were measured, ground uh-huh. up, but, uh-huh. and I would take two a day, but your, the bottle says you can take it daily or every other day, depending on how you feel. And yeah. For me, I could take them two every day, and I I felt good. Like, you yeah. get a little bit of an energy buzz, you get a little bit of a clarity, you definitely get a little bit more good mood, mm-hmm. but not a lot. No. Not a lot, but I was just a, a more, I would say a more overly, a more positive person. That's kind of, that's, like, that's like ketamine, too. Really? Yeah. 
Ketamine is like super effective for people with depression. Okay. Very effective. Explain it more to me because I don't know anything about ketamine. Ketamine. So it's primarily used in like historically, it's been known as like a party drug, like a rave drug. Oh. And it's a hallucinogen. 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 I'm not sure about it specifically what classification is, but like basically, uh, people would do it at like raves, KO, and sounds like have great. a good ass time, sounds right? Great. Right. Um, but now there's ketamine assisted treatments. Okay. So for people with depression, I believe PTSD is also another diagnosis. Basically, what they do is they pretty much go into this supervised space and trip on ketamine. Not trip on ketamine, but take ketamine. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure it's just like it's just like anything, like the dosage matters. Yeah. So I mean, you could probably take just like microdosing, taking a very very small amount right. of it, you can just get like the natural benefits right. of it. Versus you could easily trip on right. shrooms if you ate five grams. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So like, so people were taking it in macrodose. At oh concerts. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a shit you ton could of trip on them if you want. You could very well, yes. Yeah, but but people like um, there's a couple places actually. Is it legal? Yeah. Like, they sell it at the store? No, 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 no. You have to, like, go through a uh, nurse practitioner and psychiatrist. Oh. Uh, what is it what I'm thinking of? Kratom? Kratom. Kratom? What's Kratom? Kratom is, um, kind of like... See, this is the, my favorite part about this, that I have a podcast. You're educating me, because I'm an idiot, but you're also educating millions of listeners. <laughs> uh, Kratom, Kratom's, like... It doesn't really have its own classification, honestly. It's it's most similar to like an opiate. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yep. And it's legal. It's legal. Yep. But does it have the same effects as an opioid? Not the same effects. It's technically not the same as an opioid, but it's treated the same because you can have an addiction to Kratom. Like you can become physically dependent on Kratom. Really? I've heard of people having withdrawals for like several days coming off of Kratom. What is the highlight? I think I think it's pretty comparable to opioid. an opioid. Yeah, uh, it's more like oh, that's dangerous. Yeah, for sure. That's very dangerous. Yeah, and people like very well start out thinking that it's not addictive and you know it's safe. And so I I, I have so not mixed feelings, so many thoughts about addiction. Because I watched a video the other day where the guy was saying, what if we are just addicted to food? Like, think about it. You're just sitting there, not hungry. And then all of a sudden, you're hungry. What if that's addiction of food just, like, kicking in? Like, oh my god, I haven't eaten anything in a while. Like, I have this weird sensation. I'm addicted to food. I need to get some food right now. I mean, to an extent, yes. And also, like, part of it is you get hungry eventually. Right, like, for I'm, people that are that what I'm say- bored. Right, what I'm saying is, like, what if an, an addict, like, does an opiate, and then they sit there and they're fine, you know, like, as a sober, like, they didn't take an opiate. And then they're just, they just get, like, this itch, like, this feeling, like, well, I, I need an opiate right now. Well, like, I have to, yeah. it's the same sensation that comes over you when yeah. you're hungry, like. It's called, I mean, it's called the craving. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, but I'm, it just made me understand addiction so much better. Yeah. Like, because I never under, I'm like, how could you be addicted? I'm, I, I used to be one of those people that was like, yeah. it's not a disease. It's not a, and I, I hate that word, the disease, because it makes it sound, it's its own thing almost. Yeah. You you almost are 
are uh, inescapable of its properties. Like, right. if you're addicted to it, it's not like a choice you're making. Right. You're just you just get that sensation, like like the sensation when you're hungry. Like mm-hmm. you just go do it. I I need to eat. Like yeah. you just have those thoughts. Like yeah. you just. Well, and different people have different triggers for their cravings, too. So, like, what you're saying in terms of, like, sitting down and, like, just sitting there idly, yeah. some people view boredom as a trigger for having cravings. Really? Yeah. Other people, like, uh, driving through specific neighborhoods can be triggering for cravings because they could have bought drugs somewhere in that area or oh, whatever. Yeah. So, like, going through that area gives triggers that triggers thought. that thought. I just... What if we're all, all human beings ha- have addiction just to different things? Like we're just, we're all addicted to something, whether it's coffee, whether it's perfection, whether it's work, whether it's drugs, like mm-hmm. all human beings are just susceptible to, not susceptible, we all have it yeah. in one form or another. Yep. If you love gardening and you do that all the time, you're addicted to gardening because you have that sensation, that urge to go do gardening. Well, and that's twofold, right? Because there's positive things to become addicted to, mm-hmm. like healthy gardening, like the, right everything is good in moderation. Because right. like, We're, oh yeah, yeah, you're saying there's good sides to all. Yes, but I'm saying if you think of addiction in the sense that it's it's this thought process that comes yeah. over you, this this yearning. When you get hungry, you get this like hungry. Like when you go to the bathroom, you get like a sensation. Like you don't choose yeah. to have to go to the bathroom. Right, it just comes up. It just comes to you. Right. That sensation. We all have sensations for things at all times. And it normalizes it too. Yeah. Because like just because somebody has an addiction to one thing versus another, like I don't know, to me, like, who am I to judge? But no, I, I you know, like that shapes a lot of my views. I try I try to I try to be okay with everything at first, instead of not okay with it. Because you don't understand it. You don't have any idea until you really think about it and experience it. Like addiction. Like I, until I had that perspective brought to me that like that it's a sensation you can't control. Yeah. I never understood addiction. You know, like I I knew what it was, I understood it in concept, but like to really truly understand like wow, that must be terrible to be hooked on drugs and to just get that urge glory like I have to do this. So it makes me have so much more empathy. Yeah. For for people. Yeah. Like and I and I, I used to be I used to have sympathy for them. And then I had empathy. You know, you almost like have to be able to put yourself in their shoes by understanding their perspective. Yeah. That's exactly what empathy is. Oh. Being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. It's a rough This is like the feeling sad. Yeah. Like I get sad when I empathize with yeah. certain things. Yeah. And I don't hate it. I don't hate being sad. Like it's like a, like it's a, like love a feel sad. good sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like man, I'm so sad that you go through that. But I, I, I'm so glad I understand it. You know? Yeah. It's very trippy. No, this is a good lead. This, this is where <laughs> my thoughts go when I get home. That was a good one. Because it makes me. I have these thoughts when I'm high, and then when I'm not high, I remember them. <laughs> You know, and it makes me like, oh, man, what a good thought that was. What a good thought that was. The feeling empathy and feeling the sadness for people and understanding it. It's so, 
wild. It's it's yeah, it's wild. That was a good week thought. Thank you. I like to get deep. <laughs> you know what? We should end it with that. That's my ten minutes is up. All right. The last part of the podcast was our deep deep. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Ryan, my man, thank you. Oh my god.